Don't ever think that just because you've been hearing God before that things cannot hinder your hearing. There are things, if not checked, that can hinder your hearing of God's voice. Anytime you're seeking for an experience that God did not make provision for in His Word, familiar spirits will attend to you. Not growing spiritually does not stop your contact with the dispositions of the Spirit of God inside you. But not growing spiritually will not make it possible for you to recognize The Word of God is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. Be blessed today as God's servant, Reverend Peter Ayo Alabi, brings you God's Word. We've been talking about hearing the voice of God on Wednesdays. And so, you know, today I'm going to talk on dealing with hindrances to hearing God's voice. Dealing with hindrances to hearing God's voice. What things that hinder are our ability to hear the voice of the Lord. There are things that hinder the ability of believers where hearing God's voice is concerned. We're going to look at some of those things and we're going to trust God. You see, in Galatians 5, 7, you know, Paul said, you did wrong well. He said, who hindered you? Who hindered you? Who hindered you? When Paul made that statement, the word hindered, that word, the way Paul said it in the Greek, the language, the, the word in the Greek he used actually means to beat back. To beat back is a Greek word, anakopto. Anakopto. It means to beat back. When Paul said, you did wrong well, who did hinder you? And I was like, who beat you back? In other words, who stood in your way? Who uh, drew you backwards? In other words... You know, there's another Greek word for hinder in the New Testament, and that one actually means to frustrate. In other words, who has frustrated this particular flow in your life. And so you see Paul saying to them, ye did run well, who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? So uh, we see it's possible to be hindered. It's possible for something good that started to be interrupted. Do you see that? It's possible for something that was flowing to stop flowing. And you've got to know when such things happen, you need to know who is responsible. That's the work of the devil. God does not start things just to stop them halfway. All right? If you, if you start running at God's instance, at God's instruction, you've got to know that God wants you to run all the way. He doesn't want you to run to a point and then terminate your journey abruptly. Never. That's never God. That's never God. That's never God. You know, one of the confessions I always like to make is the fact that I will run my race and I will finish my course with joy. Hallelujah. I will run my race. I will finish my course with joy. Nothing is going to hinder me. Nothing is going to terminate my journey. Nothing is going to frustrate my journey. I will run my race and I will finish my course with joy. Shout amen, someone. Hallelujah. You see that glory to God. You, you got you to say that to yourself from time to time. You don't want, you know, uh, you know, I was speaking with a, uh, a, a dear brother, a pastor of this earlier today, and I was saying, you know, uh, just talking about a younger minister who, whose life, God's hands, is very obvious on him, 
opening doors for him internationally. And I said, you know, you got to, since you have a relationship with him, I think you should pay attention to him. I knew by the spirit, I didn't know by the flesh that they had any connection. But I just knew all the time I've seen that brother. I said, I, I just sense there's a connection between you, between this brother and this man of God. So I told him today, I said, he said, wow, I pastored him for two years. I said, wow. I said, I just knew. Every time I saw him, I just always saw him connected to you. You know, you must learn to know people by the spirit, not just by the flesh. You know, and I said, you got to, you know, see to him. And, you know, and as we're saying that, the Lord just brought that word in my spirit. Um, I heard my father-in-law say that many times. Sometimes God gives people speed early in life, but they allow foolishness to slow them down. And um, in coming to church tonight, the Lord laid my heart to say to everybody as well. About three times between my house and here, driving down tonight, the Lord brought that up in my spirit again. When he gives you speed early in life, don't use foolishness or don't let foolishness slow you down. Foolishness slows people down. Foolishness slows people down. Sometimes God has given you speed and momentum. And the devil wants to bring foolishness into your life to hinder your journey, to slow you down. And um, I believe one of the ways God shields us away from such foolishness is the, the wisdom of fathers. The wisdom of fathers. You see, a father is somebody who has the capacity to tell you what works and what doesn't work. Usually by reason of his own walk with the Lord and also, again, by reason of his experience. You know, one thing in life is you can't buy experience. You can only learn it from those who have it and leverage on their experience. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so God uses the wisdom of fathers to shield, you know, young people from foolish mistakes that, you know, makes people lose momentum and speed. Because the truth is, if God is the one who brought momentum to your life. He never wants the momentum to stop. But the devil is a momentum breaker. He hinders people. hinders people. He hinders, and that's why you see Paul saying in Galatians 5, he says, you did wrong well. Who hindered you? That you should not obey the truth. That is, what, what happened to your speed? What happened to your momentum? In other words, your movement seems to have been you know, t- truncated at some point. Somebody has done something to frustrate your flow. You know, sometimes you, go, you see a person who just newly got born again. You see the fire. You see the passion for the things of God. And somewhere along the line, it's as though they lost it. That's never the will of God. That's never the will of God. If that's not going to happen to you, I believe the first thing you need to do is you've got to make up your mind. I'm not going to lose my momentum for anything. Yeah. And I believe one of the ways to ensure that is to protect your heart. That nothing anybody does will change who you are. Never let people change you. Once people change you, you lost your momentum. You lost your rhythm. So don't lose your rhythm. Make up your mind to follow Jesus to the end. As I said to you, that confession, I'll run my race. I'll finish my course with joy. With joy. And that's what Apostle Paul modeled to us. People tried to stop him, but Paul was just unstoppable. It was just unstoppable. You've got to make up your mind to be unstoppable. And year on year, the fire will burn more for the Lord. The fervency will increase. 
I told you, never, never join those kind of folks who speak of the things of God as in the past. Those are people who have been hindered. Those are people who have been hindered. They lost it. You know, but if, if you've ever found yourself in such a situation, don't get condemned. You can regain lost momentum. Can be regained. You can regain lost momentum. You can regain it. It could be in your prayer life. Sometimes it's comfort that robs you of your momentum. That things become comfortable for you, and you get so comfortable, and and then you know you you your heart is lifted. You begin to do silly things, and then you begin to prioritize things of the world above things of God. Before you know what's going on, the fire you once had is not there anymore. And and don't be afraid. Some people say, okay, maybe uh, you know God will take away the comfort. Well, He's not going to take it away. But if you stay in your foolishness, you will lose the comfort itself. Are you hearing what I'm saying now? But you've got to make up your mind never to be hindered. I'll not be hindered in my life. No hindrance in my life. In the name of Jesus, I will not allow anything or anyone to hinder me in my life, in my walk with God, in my ministry unto the Lord and to his people. I shall not be hindered. Say it again. Say, I shall not be hindered in Jesus' name. Can you shout amen? amen. Glory to God. Sit down, sit down. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Have you noticed that it's very common to us just speaking God's word of our lives? And do you know it's working? Oh, yes. I know it's working. Glory to Jesus. So Paul says, who, who did hinder you? Can you see? And, and that's why we're looking at things that actually hinder people in their hearing of God's voice. You know, don't ever think that just because you've been hearing God before that things cannot hinder your hearing. There are things that can hinder your hearing. You're a child of God. You're born again. You have the capacity to hear God. But there are things, if not checked... That can hinder your hearing of God's, of God's voice. Number one is an undeveloped spirit. An undeveloped spirit. It's interesting that there are Christians who have been saved for years. And yet, they don't understand what it means to be led by the Spirit of God. They, don't, they, can't, they can't tell what the voice of God looks like or sounds like. <laughs> Can you imagine that? And so when you say things like hearing the voice of God, it sounds foreign to them. Hear the voice of God. God talks to you. You. And I remember how, you know, somebody said, you know, when he said he started hearing the voice of God and he told one of his colleagues, you know, friends that they grew up together, where they were sinners together. And that was, ah, you're becoming Papalau. <laughs> you are hearing spirits. Because it sounded strange to him. How can a human being say he's hearing the voice of God? He said, you're a herbalist now. Because it sounded strange to him. Now, if he's an unbeliever who is talking like that, he's understandable. But there are Christians who find it strange when we say we are hearing God. They don't know what it feels like to hear the voice of God. They don't know what the voice of God sounds like. Now, when I say sounds like, now I'm not saying it's audible voice. And by the way, it's important to state it again. Or state it now, all right, that God ultimately does not speak with an audible voice as a norm. I 
I'll say that again. It is not a norm for God to speak to you audibly. That is, that's not the way God speaks normally. If God ever spoke to anybody audibly, it's not a regular occurrence. It's a one-off. It's an exception. God cannot talk to you audibly all the time. You will run mad. If you did that, you're going to run mad. You're going to lose your mind. Folks who have pretended, lied, because it's basically a lie, and who are supposed to have heard God's voice regularly as a normal way, they ran mad, all of them. Some I have known. And I mean I've known. I knew them. When we were on the campus, there was a group of folks like that, a, folk, a group of folks who claimed to, uh, you know, but they, they, they just ran mad. <laughs> I mean, the school literally had to step into the situation and they rusticated them. Because they were going insane. They're doing crazy things. So you hear people say they, they heard the voice of God. I remember sometimes we praying in the sports center back near then. And I know, at least I remember of one particular occasion. And we're praying then. And we heard folks who were screaming like those who were possessed. And I remember that particular night, we heard those folks screaming. And I was with a pastor. And um, he's a little senior to me. And he, he, he said to myself and one of my friends who went with him to pray uh, at Sports Center. And he said, you know, just yesterday, he was telling us that on that day. He said, just yesterday, he said, I had to go to, to PG Hall to conduct deliverance for somebody with a similar case. Who had claimed to have heard audible voices from the Lord. And he ran mad and now he was making all kinds of manifestations all over the place. And, and I'll tell you why things like that really happen to, be, to believers. I'll tell you why. Because anytime you're seeking for an experience that God did not make provision for in his word, familiar spirits will attend to you. I'll say that again. Whenever you seek for an experience that the word of God does not make provisions for, Familiar spirits will attend to you. Whenever you seek experiences for which the word of God has made no provision, you will encounter familiar spirits. Since familiar spirits are going to attend to you. Sometimes you're wondering what's the familiar spirit. Familiar spirit is a demonic spirit that has accustomed itself to you. That knows you. Used to you. And it's going to bring experiences that you are looking for that is not of God. Familiar spirits are the ones that sometimes you see some charlatans that operate in what looks like word of knowledge, but is not word of knowledge. Are you hearing what I'm saying now? You see the scriptures. The Bible says, Charlie, people don't seek to their God. It says there are people who seek to familiar spirits. Did you see? And that's why they are very tricky, dangerous spirits because they will come to manifest in, in a way that looks like God. But it's not God. So don't think it's a different class of demons. They are demons. That's just what you need to understand. But they are very deceptive demons. Are you hear what I'm saying? So there is nowhere the Bible tells us that God promises to speak to you audibly. So if you go now praying and seeking the Lord's audible voice, you will hear an audible voice but not God's voice. In other words... Yes, God can speak to a man audibly, but it will not be in answer to a man's prayer. 
It will not be because the man had requested for it and God is not responding to him. No. If God ever spoke to you audibly, it's because he chose to. <laughs> is somebody hearing what I'm saying? How many of you have heard the audible voice of God before? Raise your hand. Just raise your hand. It's okay. Just raise your hand. Raise it high. He doesn't make you more special. Raise it. Just, I, just, just, I just wanted you to know. Raise your hand. If you are raising, don't be afraid. Raise your hand high. Good. Put your hands down. So, you are no more special than the rest. Your Christian life is no better than the rest of you. Is somebody hear what I'm saying? Now? I have also heard the audible voice of God before. It has not made me more special than anybody anywhere. Is that okay? Now, of all of you who raise your hand, how many of you, God speaks to you like that normally? Every time, when he's talking to you, you just say, oh. How are you? Shua. <laughs> On a regular basis. If he has been doing that, you will not be here. You will not be here. Now, I can tell you one of the reasons why God will not speak to you audibly as a norm is because if a person is inside you, he really doesn't need to make a sound to get your attention. He doesn't have to. And that's the reason why, you know, if something is going on inside your body, there is no sound to announce it. There is just a knowing because you are in touch with your physical body. Now, the reality of God in man is not about your physical body, your organs, no. It is your spirit man that houses God. And so, that reality of your spirit man housing God is the closest any relationship can be. You can't be closer than that to anybody. That the person is inside you. You can't be closer. If I'm standing beside you and I even want to talk to you, because I'm so close to you, I don't need to shout. I would whisper. Now imagine if I were inside you. There's no need for me to use sound anymore. What I will now use to you is a knowing. And that is what the Holy Ghost does. The Holy Ghost literally speaks to God's people with knowings. And that's why those things, you know, people ask, how do you know? You just say, I just know. Yes, sir. I just know. I just know it. And that's why I see Paul telling them in the book of Acts 26, you know, when we were on that journey, you know, and Paul said, I perceive that this voyage is going to be with more danger. How did he perceive? You see, is the Holy Ghost is, as it were, talking inside, but he doesn't talk with sounds. So, because he's inside me, I can perceive what he perceives. Are you getting what I'm saying now? <laughs> it's like if your stomach is aching, your whole body feels it. Why? Because when your body, if your stomach aches, there is a part, there is something particular in your body that is causing that pain. But the whole body feels it because of their proximity. So if the Holy Ghost is displeased with something, you will also feel the displeasure. I'm making it very simple. Is it simple enough? If he's excited about something, you will feel the excitement. Because we are one. So his excitement has to affect my excitement. His displeasure will definitely affect my displeasure because we are so close. (laughs) So he doesn't need his sound. Most often he doesn't. He doesn't. If I told the Holy Ghost wants to make any sound, he has to use your own. (laughs) Oh boy. So... But the problem now is, what can hinder that is if your spirit man is undeveloped. 
In other words, if you are not growing spiritually. And not growing spiritually does not stop your contact with the dispositions of the Spirit of God inside you. But not growing spiritually will not, will not make it possible for you to recognize them. That is, you see the guy who is not mature spiritually. If he senses things, but he doesn't, he can't make sense of what he's sensing. And let me show you something in Hebrews chapter 5. I'll show you that in Hebrews chapter 5. Glory to God. Are you soaking in the word? <laughs> and so in Hebrews chapter 5, Hebrews chapter 5. Glory to God. <laughs> and uh, I always begin reading from verse 12. For when, for the time that ye ought to be teachers, he said, ye need that one teach you again, we'd be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone, he said, that useth milk is what? Unskillful in the word of righteousness. For he is a nepios. Or baby is Greek word nepios. It actually means undeveloped. Undeveloped. And and as a, the implication of that underdevelopment is that he, he can't make intelligible sounds or, or make any sense of anything he hears. He, he, can't, he doesn't understand anything. So he's unskillful. He's unskillful. Let me tell our neighbor, say, don't be, don't be unskillful here. I, I wish you would not be afraid of your neighbor. I wish you could talk to them. As if Jesus died for you. I wish you could be bold to talk to your neighbor like Jesus died for you too. Talk to them. Don't be afraid. Say, don't be, don't be, don't be, sir. Don't be, sir. Did you see that? He says he's in Nepios. That word unskillful means he's ignorant. Like a spiritual ignoramus. He, he can sense things, but he can't really make any sense of what he's sensing. Why? Because he says he's a babe. He's undeveloped. You know those like kind of people you hear them say, they call the Holy Ghost something. And it's usually after the event. And something was saying, Try something, something. He's calling the Holy Ghost something. He's wise after the event. And that's one of the ways you know that, that problem, the hindrance of the undeveloped believer, is that even when he eventually makes sense of what the Holy Ghost is saying, the event is gone. In other words, he can't take advantage of the leadings of the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost, who is supposed to be an advantage to the believer, to him, he always loses and misses that advantage because he is undeveloped. You know, you need to understand as a Christian, your spiritual growth is first of all for your own good. Your spiritual growth is first of all for your own good. If you grow up spiritually, you are the first beneficiary of it before anybody else. So in other words, your, your refusal to grow spiritually is, is hurting you. It's hurting you. So notice it says, for when for a time, let's go back there, Hebrews 5. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, he said, ye have need that one teach you again would be the first principles 
of the oracles of God. Now, I want us to go see it in the Weymouth translation. And then we're going to see it also in the Amplified Classic. Now, I told you last year, I told you guys to get the Amplified Classic. How many of you got the Amplified Classic Bible? Let me see. How many of you have it now? I told you last year. I see good Christians here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many of you don't have it yet? What are you still waiting for? All right. So let's read it in the Weymouth translation. I'm trying to get mine. All right. And so now. The Weymouth translation. Okay. Y'all, you have it on the screen. He said, for although, considering the long time you have been believers, can you imagine that? Considering the long time you have been, I ask anyone, since when did you get saved now? How long now? What's your adversary in Christianity? How old are you in Christ? Ask them. How old are you in Christ? Metu? Metu sila. So he says, for although, considering the long time you have been believers, you ought now to be teachers of others. What this verse tells you is that there is a time you are expected to have grown to a point. Then I was, see, in Christianity, there's no baby for life. <laughs> baby girl for life. No, not in Christ. <laughs> tell anybody, I don't, I'm not sure your neighbor heard you. Just tell them, say, there's no baby girl for life in Christ. <laughs> say, no baby boy for life in Christ. <laughs> you know what they say? They say, baby girl for life. Not in Christ, so. You say that and just say, ah, my phone there. Don't say that nonsense. <laughs> I like that statement. <laughs> I had a friend like that who used to say that when we were still much younger. And recently I just remembered it. Ah, my phone. What does that mean? Anyway? Shut up, baby. Leave that place. <laughs> so when you say, baby girl for life, you say, come on, leave that place. And grow up spiritually. So there is a time. There is a time. In other words, there's a time when we should not be following you up. Hey, hey, somebody hearing me now. I'm, I'm coming to your area now. There is a time when we should not still be correcting you about coming early to church. There's a time we should not, we should not have to bother whether you show up on Wednesdays. You know, there are people that you are not yet sure they are convinced that they need to be in church on Wednesdays. I've told you, this is my emphasis for the rest of the year. <laughs> because that's what they call revival. We need a revival of church services outside of Sundays. Yeah. Because the believer who doesn't still know why he should come to church physically when he can, he is a baby. Who doesn't yet understand the importance of the guardian of the saints physically, sir? It's a baby. Underdeveloped. Nepios. Serious Nepios. Are you hearing what I am saying? What was the calculation of Sunday again? If you come for four hour service in a week, that's 2.38. 2.38% of your week. So small. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know, I, I don't know if I said it in church, but if you want to know the popularity of a pastor, all right, check his Sunday service. No, not Sunday service. I think it's, it's the midweek service. If you want to check the popularity of a church, check Sunday service. If you want to check the popularity of a pastor, check Wednesday service. If you want to check the popularity of a Lord in a church, check the prayer meeting. 
Check the prayer meeting. Glory to God. Glory, we're going to get there. Are you hear what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Check the prayer meeting. Prayer meeting is how you know that God is popular. And of course, God is popular in HOF. Because I know you show up for prayer meetings. Praise the Lord. I know people show up for meetings and some on the way, you know, and all that stuff, you know. It's all right. Just got to get here on time. I know you didn't come early last week, but you made it early today. You're repenting. You're a good Christian. I celebrate you. No, growing up, you don't come to church, you know, on the, for those that they call it Bible study. Your pastor will not greet you. <laughs> and that's not a beef. That's exactly what you should do. When you greet him, he should answer you with, with his nose. Say, uh, pastor, sir. So who's your pastor? <laughs> Say, who's your pastor? Of course, in those days, of course, there was nothing online. So if you missed it, you missed it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There are people who cannot be in service, you know. For example, if you're a medical doctor and you're on duty, we understand that. Are you hearing what I'm saying now? Or you have any other job and your, your job schedule is clashing with the service time. That, that is understandable. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But now, that does not mean you continue to remember that. You should, also, you should still have that desire. Because things can change. Your boss can just, if you really want it, your boss can just decide and say, you know what, on Wednesdays I'll release you early so you can make it for your midweek service. <laughs> and one of the ways that can happen is your excellent performance. That it can be so excellent that you begin to finish everything you need to do on Wednesdays by 2 p.m. you are done. Until your boss notices that ah, on Wednesdays you are always done by 2 p.m. You are done early on Wednesdays. Is there anything about Wednesdays? Say, Actually, there's service on Wednesday. <laughs> so, wow, well, since you're done from 2 p.m., you can go, don't worry. Just make sure you keep that record. Keep finishing early on Wednesdays and go for your service. But don't they are Christians, they don't even care. He's even happy that his work will not let him come. <laughs> He's Sister Nepios. She's Sister Nepios. He's Brother Nepiosis. He doesn't desire it. And I tell you, one of the ways you will know whether you are growing is check your desires. Do you desire the things of God? Do you really want to do what pleases God? You know those kind of Christians that if anything comes up that I won't let them come to church. You hear them in their speech. Okwe ho. Okwe ko come in You get what I'm saying now? <laughs> you see, because he's, he's excited that he can come. And so he says, For although considering a long time you have been believers, you ought not you ought now to be teachers of others. You know, so the writer of Hebrews is is kind of frustrated here. Sometimes you need to understand the tone of the writer. So he's saying, you know, by now this is the expectation. That considering that you've been believers for a while, we expect by now you should be a teacher of others. Let me tell you something. When you get saved, there are three things that are important in your Christian life, particularly in your local church. Number one is your membership. Number three, number two is your training. Number three is your posting. I'll say it again. Three things very important in your Christian life is really when you are joined to a local church. Number one is your membership. When a person gets saved, he ought to belong to the body of Christ by belonging to a local church. 
You are now born again by believing, but you must belong by joining a local church, by becoming a member. So we are not called only to believe, we are called also to belong. You must belong to a local church. You must identify with a body of believers that gather consistently under a pastoral calling from the Lord. You must belong. Your membership. And I'll tell you, in case you don't know it, and I know many of you have the understanding, but I'm going to even make you get it better. That your membership of a local church is very pivotal to the fulfillment of your destiny in Christ. To the fulfillment of your call and assignment in Christ. Your membership of a local church is very pivotal to that. Your local church owes you certain things. Part of which is your local church owes you to help you know that there is a call of God on your life. It was to a local church Paul wrote when he was addressing Archippus in Colossians 4.17. And say to Archippus that he take heed to the ministry as received in the Lord Jesus Christ that he fulfill it. When you read the book of Philemon, he mentioned the name of that same Archippus. And he, he commended him. Meaning that warning got to him. And he heeded that warning. But notice where, did the, where was the warning addressed to him? It was addressed to him in a letter written to the church. So if he was not a part of that church, he would never have gotten that instruction. So many people's callings are wasted because they didn't take membership seriously. You got to take membership of a local church seriously as a believer. Without it, I tell you, there's no way you're going to flourish. It is those who are planted in the house of the Lord, Psalm 92, 13, that will flourish in the courts of our God. So you've got to be planted in his house. And the second thing is your training, which is another thing your local church owes you. The church owes you training. We've got to train you. Part of that training is what we're teaching. Training you how to hear the voice of God. Training you how to follow the, the, the leading of the Holy Spirit. Training you how to follow the plan of God. I told you on Sunday, there are four things you must follow in your life. Let's see whether you know now, whether you remember. Number one, follow what? In the same order I gave you. Number one was God's plan. Then number two is what? God's word. Number three is what? God's spirit. Number four is what? God's man. Good. Because some people, they used it to, they used it to eat ever. Follow God's plan, follow God's word, follow God's spirit, follow God's men. I told you on Sunday, you see, because the, the, the first three, do you see that, are foundational. The, the plan of God, the word of God, the spirit of God, and then the, the men of God that God sets over your life. And that man of God, God sets over your life, must be in alignment with the first three. God would never send a man to you to lead you contrary to what his word says, Contrary to what his spirit is, contrary to what his plan is. Never, 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 never. He would never do that. He would never ever do that. Now, if a man of God is leading you contrary to what the word of God says, he might be a fake prophet, a false prophet, or he might be an undeveloped one. Sometimes there are, you must know the difference between a false prophet and an immature prophet. Something out of overzealousness. See, some pastors who will say some things that are not necessarily the word of God. It means well. But he's immature. And some are just outrightly charlatans. They are just not okay. Dot com. <laughs> and you got to run for your life from those ones. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So your local church owes you training. To train you. That training is what Ephesians 4 calls equipping. To equip the saints. 
one of the things you will know that you are getting right in your life from your local church is when you check your Christian journey. Are you making progress? Are you getting more equipped? Did you see that? And that training is pivotal to the third one, which is your posting. Your posting is the fact that, you see, the believer is raised so that he can be useful to the Lord, so that he can do the work of ministry. <clears throat> you see, as you receive training, you become postable. There are people that are not sendable for God. They've been born again for years, but they are not useful to the kingdom. And I tell you, your usefulness is largely determined by your training. If you are not trained, you cannot be useful. God sends those that he trains because it is those that he trains that he can trust. So you're born again, you must ensure that you take your membership seriously, then when you become a member of a local church, apply yourself to training. That's all these instructions we give to you. My emphasis on you making sure you are in midweek service as well as much as you come for Sunday services is a training. It's a training. Training usually comes with rigor. <clears throat> Some people think Christianity is supposed to always be convenient. No, it's not. It's not a social club. It's not girl's guide or a sorority. This is an army. You don't, you don't join Nigerian army and then on your first day, they take you on the field for training very early in the morning and they take you through the drills. And I say, ah, you want to stress my life. Ah. <laughs> you, know, well, you know, Nigeria, they will first beat you. They will give you the beating of your life to welcome you. And I remember when, they, when I went for NYC, I was posted to Joss and went for orientation. And I got there quite late. I mean, late as in maybe two days late. So what's for you, you that you forgot really, what have you achieved? <laughs> <laughs> so what did it turn to for you now? You that you got there early. So because I now look at me and say, how can you? What's your problem? You that you got there early now. So after, after did, did they give you PhD after the was <laughs> Come off it, Joe. <laughs> and so she got there, Sha. That's important. And then we even arrived late at night. And I'll never forget we're on that queue. Everybody, you know, trying to get some your kids and all that stuff. And they're trying to tell us where we'll sleep. And then I remember some folks ahead of me were complaining to the, you know, NYC officials and say, ah, that, this mattress is too flat. And I'll never forget when I heard from afar. And the woman answered that person loudly. I said, where do you think you come to? You think this is a hotel? <laughs> and she says, okay, that was what she said. But what I heard was as though she said, welcome to Hotel Rwanda. <laughs> And that's the point I know. I say, what have I come here to do? I should not have come to this place. <laughs> because it's an orientation camp. The idea of NYC orientation camp is to give you a little taste of the military drill. <laughs> and then as they woke up the following morning, like this, you see all those soldiers, they say, they say, we got to the field, they say, we should march. And people were not, and the, people were not marching. They say, great, you're like monkey. See, I see they look, monkey. I say, ah. <laughs> Raise your leg, raise your leg. You say, monkey, after all, you say, you be, you be graduate. See your life, you can, under the instruction, you cannot raise your leg. I say, tie. <laughs> <laughs> and they treated us as if we were no human beings. When I say, what I can't do for you? That's NYSU. Imagine if you say you want to join soldier. <laughs> 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 
Now, when you got saved, you were enlisted into an army. Yes, sir. So this this customer care Christianity. <laughs> tell him I say, drop it, drop it, drop it. You know that funny idea that anything that doesn't come easy, you know, don't stress us. You know, you know, Jesus paid it all. <laughs> wow. You will not grow like that. You're not going to grow like that. Now, speaking of some people, you know, pastors, I'll say to them, the reason why some ministers seem to not be able to lift off the ground in their work for God is because some of them jettisoned the phases of ministry where they should have gone through the rigor. If you, if you try to avoid the rigor of training, huh, you will pay later and you will pay dearly. Because there are certain life skills that you can only learn in the hard way or in the hard places, better still. Not the hard way, but the hard places. And if you keep avoiding those places, you know, I said to people, the only alternative to hard work is a hard life. Even spiritually. It's a hard life. It's a hard life. And that's what many Christians are running away from. And that's why they are not growing spiritually. They are not growing spiritually. Everything is not going to be dropped on your lap. There's rigor in Christianity. There's rigor in Christianity. Even Jesus left heaven to came down to earth. Can't you leave your house and come to church? Are you hear what I'm saying? But when a person is running away from that, he's not going to grow. He's running from trainings. Training in the local church is not only when we sit down and we are teaching the word. There are activities that train us. There are activities that train us. Regiments. Those are trainings. So you wake up in the morning, you know, trying to regiment your, regiment your, your, your personal devotion. And I'll tell you one thing. That's another area that helps you grow. Your personal devotion on a regular basis. Listen, personal devotion, we'll call it quite a time. It's a time where you are alone with God. Hear me. Every human being at different points in life, you will find yourself alone with Satan. It is your time spent alone with God that prepares you for that time. If you don't spend time regularly alone with God, the days when you'll be alone with Satan, you won't know what to do. So you are better be sure of it. There will be times in your life where you will be alone with the devil. The devil is going to come for you at some point. In Matthew chapter 4, did you come for Jesus? Only him and Jesus there. That doesn't mean the presence of God is not there with you. But in such situations, God is a silent uh, coach. I mean, what do you call it now? The devil is the examiner. <coughs> Does a teacher talk to you in the exam? No, no. You have to now use what you have learned. But if you've learned nothing, you will know nothing to say. And that's why you see all those trainings when you're avoiding it. It is the devil trying to weaken you ahead of the test in front of you. And it's also the devil weakening you ahead of the opportunities coming your way so that you will not be able to take them. Because there are critical points in your life, the leading of God, when it comes, if your spirit is undeveloped, you will never sense it. You'll never sense it. So there is a time when you should not be a baby again. So it means the believer must always constantly desire growth. 
You must always yearn for growth. That yearning to be better. I don't want to remain on the same spot. I want to grow. I want to learn more. I want to learn more. I want to learn more. I just told you when I started teaching this evening, you know, so I listen. I listened to that teaching yesterday. I got things. At some point in that, I just, I just listened on my iPad and I just crossed my leg on my bed and I just put my head there just meditating on everything I heard. You should see me listening to the word. You won't, look, you won't think it's your pastor or dad anymore because I'm like a child. Yeah. Just listen to the word. I just love God's word. I love it. Glory to God. You know, over the years, he says, I ask the Lord sometimes that there are opportunities, things I've seen in my life and my work with God. I know I can't take credit for it. I can't say because I'm so diligent and in my labor and all that. I can only say this is just God's goodness and mercy. But then God always reminds me most times, he said, it's also because you value the word. You treasure my word. He said, that's the reason why I expose you to things like that. Because God exposes things to people who value it. If you are the kind of person who never values certain things of God, I can tell you, you will never see them again. And I've said it in recent times to some of the people in church office that have been in situations in my life over the years, and I'll be wondering, I heard something in this service, and the people who were there together, they didn't hear it. And I'll be wondering, how come they never heard that? And I'm not talking about maybe something spectacular, that maybe there was a voice only me in the service. I mean, things that happened in the meeting over the years growing up. And I realized that they were not so interested. And I look back over the years. That alone has made a difference. They were not so interested. They didn't value it. And I tell you, I lap up every moment when I sit down to be blessed by God's word. Under my teachers. Just listen to everything. Everything. I can recite the entire message to you. Sometimes. Now listen to my father and the Lord. I tell you in the house, that when he says, I know what he's going to do, I've heard it again and again. And every time I'm hearing it again, I'm listening as if it's the first time. Because I've learned, as God has told me over the years, never let that interest, never let it drop. Because the Lord said to me, because since I over the years, I just said to myself, and I said, Lord, I mean, I can't take credit for it. Since I speaking, some of the things I know, some of the graces I enjoy, it's not like because my faith is bigger than anybody's faith. I just always say, Lord, is your mercy. And then every time I tell you, the Lord will keep reminding me, it's because you value it. That's why I keep showing you more and showing you more. You should value the things of God. Beloved, value it. Understand the fact that you can sit in a church where you have been well taught. Balanced Christianity is not common. It's not common. I tell you, growing up as a believer, there were times where, you know, myself and my older brother would quarrel because I'm taking his materials. If I remember one time I took some of his tapes like this, he called me on the phone, he was so angry. Those were the things they, they used to fight me for. For taking materials. Taking materials. So why did you take my, my tapes? You took my tapes. How can you take my tapes? Do you know how, how much I spent to get those tapes? That's what they used to fight me for. Because I value, I don't mind the shouts. Just shout to me, but I don't, I don't hear them. I don't shop up. <laughs> My God, trek for meetings just to listen to the word. You say, young guy today, why did you not come? You say, I didn't have transport fare. Look at you, and you want to grow. 
transport fare. That's why you didn't come. So trekking is too much for you. It's because you don't value your Christian life. If you value your Christian life, you get on the road. You just start trekking. Buy speedy biscuits. <laughs> Just be throwing it in your mouth as you're going. Glory. I tell you, one year, I was on my way from Ife, and I stopped at Assemblies of God Camp for Supernatural Camp Meeting, King's Word. And from there, I wanted to come to Lagos to attend the TTJX meeting. And there was traffic. Believe me, I started trekking from Assemblies of God. I trekked up to Ibafo. Wow. I'm telling you, I'm not telling you things about Mulai. It was not only me. A lot of people, I mean, all those, those days when, you know, traffic on, you know, that Lagos Ibadan because of camp, before they now arrange everything. Mad traffic. That you, there is no way. If you stay inside a car, your car is no longer a luxury. It's a standstill. <laughs> so everybody going, and I, I got down. I began to trek. We passed the baffle before I saw a bus, and the road was already free. And to add insult upon the injury, this meeting was at National Stadium. By the time I arrived at National Stadium, guess what? Tilly Dakes had left. <laughs> he, he couldn't make the meeting. He came to Nigeria, but he couldn't wait for that particular. He had preached in Debson, preached for a, a couple of meetings when he came. But that particular, it was Pastor Paul Adefarance's 10th anniversary. I'll never forget. I was on the rock. And he couldn't make that meeting because they said there was an emergency. He had to fly back home. Emergency. The meeting I came for, that I had tracked for. Perhaps that's the highest checking in my life. And I say, Lord, when they announced that the man of God had left for the U.S., come and see people standing up and leaving. And I never forget, the Lord said to me, don't do it. He said, sit down. Whoever is going to preach in his place, whatever he, should, he would have done here, that person would do it. So the, Lord said, the Lord said, sit down. So I sat down. And truly, it made sense. After checking, why should you now still waste your, your time? Those people that left, they didn't check. <laughs> And that's how you understand. When you come for meetings, don't be looking at other people. Yes. Yes. They didn't check. So me, I just sat down and I, boy, was I blessed. I tell you, I was blessed. And sometimes there are times God has reminded me. He said, those are some of the things I've seen in you that makes me trust you. Yeah. Because again, those are trainings. It is those who God has trained that God can trust. I tell you. So I think that God has seen me and said, look, I, I trust you. There's a reason why I trust you. Sometimes you say, Papa, if you listen to God, sometimes God will show you why he trusts you. Because God doesn't trust me for no reason. No. Sometimes you might have forgotten, but God will remind and says, These are some of the things why I trust you, my son. You are proven yourself. You are proven yourself. So when I when I see people make excuses on that, I just like, I say, look at this one, see what this one is saying. You are not ready to grow. That's why you see Peter saying in first Peter 2 2, as newborn babes, he said, You yourself desire. The sincere milk of the word that you may grow. So I was saying to you, your growth should be so important to you. You know, some Christians, their growth is not important to them. It is clothes and shoes that is important to them. It is boyfriend, girlfriend that is important to them. Football is important to him. Not that it's a bad thing. But once it, it becomes more important to you than your spiritual life, oh God, you are not serious. Oh. And what happens as a result is undeveloped spirit. Undeveloped spirit. And you know, one of the areas you will know an undeveloped spirit hinders the hearing of a voice of God in your life is when you are about to make critical decisions and you find it hard to hear what God is saying. Go and check what you have been doing with your life. Because if you've been growing as you should, 
it should never be a problem for you to pick the voice of God on any matter. So an undeveloped believer, he can't, he can't hear God well. God is speaking, but he can't make any sense of it. They are the ones that it is when they want to make decision who to marry that they will now say they want to go on seven days fast. On serious brother. He has not heard God on a simple matter, but he wants to hear God on a serious issue. It's not by doing that. That's why go back to Hebrews chapter 5. <clears throat> Come on now, is this blessing you tonight or what? I know I'm not challenging some of you, but notwithstanding. So he said, for although considering the long time you have been believers, he said, you ought now to be teachers of others. You really need someone to teach you over again the very rudiments of the truth of God. And you have come to require milk instead of soil food. He said, by people who live on milk, I mean those who are imperfectly acquainted, do you see that, with the teaching concerning righteousness. Such persons are mere babes. But solid food is for adults. That is for those, look at now, who through constant what? Practice have their spiritual faculties what carefully trained to do what distinguish good from evil so it means if you are not growing spiritually your ability to discern is going to be weak and we can see that one way to grow spiritually is by practice practice you know some people just feel once you get born again they feel spiritual growth is automatic it is not you got to practice. What are the practices of spiritual growth? Let me just tell you. One major practice for your growth spiritually is doing God's word. Do the word of God. Do the word of God. Be ye doers of the word. James 1.22. I know here is only deceiving your own selves. Be ye doers of the word. 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 That's how to practice it. Practice doing God's word. Practice commitment. Practice commitment. And as I told you earlier again, you see, to practice commitment means you are not looking for the easy way. Stop looking for the easy way. That's not how to be a Christian. Christianity is not about finding the easy way. Don't look for the easy way out of things. You hear what I'm saying now? Yes, sir. You got to practice. You got to practice. You got to practice. So sometimes when you hear the Bible says, uh, as newborn babies desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. What makes you grow when it says desire the sincere milk of the word? Notice it just says desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Now, he hasn't told you what to do with that word in order for that word to make you grow. It's not just hearing it alone. You hear it, you believe it, you meditate on it, and then you do it. It's a complete cycle. Let me even shock you that you are in a church where you are hearing sound teaching does not mean you are growing. That's one of the greatest deceptions of this generation. That you are in a church under a sound pastor who is teaching regularly and you are hearing his teaching does not automatically translate to growth. You can be hearing sound teaching but the question is what are you doing with it? It's like saying to yourself, just because you have a, a good teacher, a good math teacher means you are going to have A1 in YEC. No, it's not automatic. Are you listening to what he's saying? Are you practicing? Are you doing the homework? Are you following his instructions? You know, a mentor, I, I came across one of my old notes. That note, I wrote that note in 2011. And I was just going through it two days ago. And in that note I wrote there, and I'm going to tell you, because it's been a while, I just went to that note and it reminded me. A mentor is not just somebody you listen to. A mentor is the person whose counsel you take. 
So somebody can be speaking to your life. Doesn't make him your mentor. You can even call him mentor and he say, hey, mentee. And you're both deceiving yourselves. Ultimately, what makes him your mentor is that you use his counsel. You don't use his counsel, it's not your mentor. You can carry the title. Doesn't mean anything. You can as well put a collar on a dog and call him your mentor. If you don't do what the man is saying to you or what the woman is saying to you, they are not your mentor. In the same way too, that you are hearing something does not automatically translate to spiritual growth. It is when you do it. It is when you do it. The happiest thing, the, the most exciting thing for you about the word of God must be the doing part. Must be the doing part. It has to be the doing part. Because many people don't know spiritual growth. Spiritual growth is not a reward. God doesn't use it to reward you. Say, ah, now that you have believed Jesus Christ as Lord and your Savior, ah, what shall we now give you? Oh, yeah, take growth. Ah, no, they don't dash growth, oh. <laughs> growth, you will walk your own road. In that time when somebody offended you and you have to walk alone, that's growth there. Yeah. That's growth there. That time when you have planned that money that you wanted to use to buy so and so, and the Holy Ghost say, that project dimension, so go and give it. And you are saying, ask call to me though. That's, see, that's your opportunity to grow now. You are doing ask call to your spiritual growth. <laughs> you, you don't know that's what we're growing. Say, ask call to me though. Ah. <laughs> ask call. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? And I just, 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 just bought that dress. And you put it on. And you stand in front of your mirror. And you're already catwalking. And you're, you're asking your, your siblings, you say, how do I look? And they say, whoa, fine dress. And as you're walking like this, the Holy Ghost begin to walk in the spirit without knowing. <laughs> and suddenly a vision by the Holy Ghost just comes to you. And you see another sister walking in that clothes. And the Holy Ghost, and you say, and you say what is it? I say, it's a leading thought. It's a leading thought. It's a leading <laughs> and, and you got to follow the leading thought. And it's telling you really, that means give it to that sister. Because it's going to be exactly perfect on her. In that moment, you have an opportunity to grow. And when you pick up that phone and you call that sister, and you tell her the Lord said to me to give you this dress, and you hear the sister shouting on the other end, and you know your flesh is angry at that. <laughs> and this I say, Glory! My flow is flowing! Woo! <laughs> and inside your mind, you say, Chai. What kind of nonsense shout is this? That I was hoping you would say, yeah, you don't even need it. And then the day the sister wears it and she comes and you see her in it. It was a perfect size. But what has happened to you is you've grown. You've grown. You know when you get yourself in that situation at work where you once told a lie with your colleagues about when you resumed to work. And that's only that day the Holy Ghost is telling you, don't join them today. You can't lie again. You can't tell lies again. You see that instruction in Ephesians and Colossians. It said, don't lie one to another. That means they used to tell lies before. He told them in Ephesians 4.20, he said, let him that stole. Even they were thieves in Ephesians church. He said, he said, let him that stole steal no more. He said, anything jali, anyway, you jali, man. <laughs> so there were people stealing in that church before. And he said, don't steal again. And he said, he said, don't lie again. You know, in that moment, and your colleagues are pressuring you. He said, you know, if you don't, if you don't join us to lie, you will expose the rest of us. And there's that conflict in your soul. 
and then you choose to tell the truth. In that moment, spiritual growth is happening. There isn't much spiritual growth when you're quoting the Bible. No. Quoting the Bible is getting you ready for it. But that's not it. Come on now. Hearing it is not it, but it's getting you ready for it. But when you do it, boy, you took a leap in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and that's what the devil doesn't want. Whether he wants it or not, you've got to grow. 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 You know how those moments when you wake up in the night and you know you feel like praying, but you're asleep. And you're about to enter gear four. And you know if you if you turn by if you just turn like this, the next four hours is you asleep. And as you're about to do that turn, the only go say pray, pray, and sleep is pulling you. But the only goes also say pray. You know, I, I know that time is when the sleep is sweetest. It's a demonic sleep that is worrying you. It's a sleep that is challenging your growth. Because in that moment when you fight that sleep and you stand up and you take that first step, usually it's just that first step, the first like one minute, just, just, just muster those tongues, regardless of how you be makate yabaya. And like I told you most times, make sure you, you pray loud. So that somebody will hear you and the shame will not let you go back to sleep. The shame of somebody hearing you and say, ah, ah, you don't go finish this prayer. You just wake up and say, glory to God in the highest. And you know, at that time, even if the sleep is worrying you, you will remember that people who heard you. So you don't say, ah, bro, hear me. We only heard glory be to God. We did not hear the rest of the prayer. <laughs> exactly when you are married. I said, glory to God, your wife will say, ah, daddy, daddy, what, what happened to the rest of this prayer, okay, but I tell you, number one, when you fight it, and you pray, and you push, and you pray, and you push, and you pray, growth is going on, because you need to really know where growth happens, because in the body of Christ, sometimes we've seen people who have been in church for many years, but they are not growing. Some of these people mistake for spiritual growth. Years of membership doesn't mean you are growing, sir. Being in the stewardship itself does not even mean you are growing. You, can just, you could just possibly be somebody who is just busy. Some people are busy in church, but they are not growing spiritually. Even though service will contribute to growth, when it is against the backdrop of those basic things. I'll say it again. If your service in the church is not built upon the foundation of those other things I mentioned, your prayer life, your personal fellowship with the Lord, it will just be busyness. It is work that springs out of work that translates to growth. I'll say it again. It is work, W-O-R-K, that springs from work, W-A-L-K, that translates to growth. If there is no work with the Lord, any work you are doing for the Lord is not growth, it's busyness. It's just activity. It means nothing. Somebody use an analogy, very powerful. You are like a computer when you are serving God. You can't be using all your time just to serve. 
and you don't have any time for devotion with him. Because like a computer, as powerful as your laptop is, some of you, they say it's 512, is it, is it 512 megabytes? I mean, gigabytes? Yes, sir. But let's say one terabyte. But even if the memory is one terabyte, you know, there is still a part of that memory that you cannot use for storage or anything, for programs and everything. That it is that little part that makes the system run. That's the way your life is. If you have time for work, but no time to fellowship with the Lord, you don't have space to keep you running. So you will run down soon. Have you noticed your computer, when you overload it, and you know some of you, you will now start borrowing space from that reserved memory that is supposed to be for your programs, the operating system, all those things. You know what happens to your laptop? It starts dragging. You know how many of you are dragging spiritually? <laughs> the space and time that you should use for God and you alone, you have encroached into it with activities. So your spiritual laptop or spiritual memory is dragging. That's why what you should get, you know that laptop, something that you should load within two seconds. If you put water on fire <laughs> eh, and you go and come back and the water is boiling, it's still loading. Just to open ordinary folder, the thing is loading. That's why some of you, too, God is trying to talk to you. He's loading. He's loading. Loading, ding, ding, loading. <laughs> I came for you tonight. <laughs> I wondering, why can't I hear the Lord? Oh, Lord, talk to me. He has spoken, but your computer is too slow. So what do you need to do? So you, need to, you need to unclog, to declutter it. You know, that memory scan. Scan it. Scan it. Don't be so busy that there's no time to work with the Lord for real. Because it is our work with him that justifies our work for him. That's what justifies it. That's what justifies it. And so we must understand that place of spiritual growth. Because when you are undeveloped, it's going to hinder the hearing of the voice of the Lord. God is very simple. God is not complex at all. I'm telling you, God speaks in very simple terms. So, but this, the devil brings hindrances to clutter the communication between us and God. Number two hindrance is an unrenewed mind. And be not conformed to this word, Romans 12, 2, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Notice, he says, when your mind is renewed, you'll be able to prove. That is, you'll be able to identify. So, your renewed mind plays a role in your ability to hear the voice of God. To discern the voice of God. That you may be able to prove. Did you see that? What is that good and acceptable and perfect? The word perfect there means complete will of God. You know that's a prayer that Epaphras was praying according to Paul. For the Colossian church. Colossians 4.12. He said Epaphras who is one of you. He says always praying for you. Laboring in prayer for you that ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. That is the entire will of God for your life. He's praying for you that you will know what is the will of God in his entirety and you will be standing in it. Mature in it. Did you see that? So notice again, there is growth in that. But Paul is not talking about how the mind has to be renewed. So an unrenewed mind gets in the way. 
And I'll show you an example in Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 10, an unrenewed mind was going to stand in Apostle Peter's way. And the Bible tells us in verse 9, On the morrow, as they went on a journey and drew now to the city, Peter went up upon the house to pray about the sixth hour. Verse 10, we're in Acts 10, And he became very hungry and would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened, and a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a great ship knit at the four corners and led down to the earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, heal and he Look, now he's hearing the voice. But see what an ordinary man is going to do to his interpretation of the voice. So he says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, what God had cleansed, that call not thou common. This was done how many times? Thrice. And the vessel was received up again into heaven. Now, while Peter doubted in himself, see what he's doing. He's doing what? He's doubting it. You know what that means? He already had an idea of what God was trying to say. But he wasn't having it. He's doubting it. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to take this. No. No. Why? He's used to an old way of living. So I've never eaten anything like this. God, and God, God has said to him clearly, what I've cleansed, don't you ever call it common. And I was going to say to him, get on the same page with me. Get on the same page with me. Stop thinking on your own. Never live a life of isolated thinking from God. Your thinking has to be in union with God. Don't think in isolation from God. God says, if I call it cleanse, how dare you call it something else? Call it what I call it. Think about it the way I think about it. <laughs> and you see, there's a difference between Peter here and Ananias. Ananias didn't have to argue with the Lord. God didn't have to say it twice. Just the previous chapter. Let's go see it quickly. Ananias, in Acts chapter 9, verse 10, and there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him said the Lord in a vision. They're both in a vision. And he says, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, you know, same way, Peter is talking, he said, he said, Lord. In chapter 10, he said, Lord. Can you imagine he's talking to the Lord? So he knows he's the Lord. The right response to the Lord has to be, yes, Lord. You don't argue with the Lord. You don't argue with the Lord. Except when your mind is not renewed. And so notice he said, he said, and he said, behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, arise and go into the street, which is called straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. And I had seen in the vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. Notice the similar thing. God is about to send him somewhere, just like God was about to send Peter somewhere. And notice the Bible says in verse 13, then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of these men how much evil he had done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. He did not object. He's just giving facts. Hear what he does. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. So he has told God what he has heard about, about Saul of Tarsus. But God is now telling him an update. God is saying to him, Forget about what he said about it. Forget about what people are saying about it. Say, It's a chosen vessel. It's a chosen vessel. Whatever people have said, forget about that. Because that, what people have said was still very recent. So, but God is telling him, this is my opinion about that guy. 
Let's see what Ananias says in response or does in response. And the Bible says, For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way. God said, Go. Look at what God said. He said, Go thy way. What was Ananias' response? Ananias went his way. God said, Go. He went. In other words, he acted on the word. And he didn't go with fear. Come on, let's go see. Ananias went his way and entered into the house and put it. See, that's how you know he obeyed God. His mind was complete. Immediately God said, this is my opinion. He accepted it and fell in line instantly. He got there. He put hands on him. How do you lay hands on a killer? He is no longer afraid for his life. This is the same guy who just told God, I've heard of the thing this guy has done to many people. And just because God said he has changed, he accepted it. And he didn't go there and stood by the door and say, uh, Saul, now you be Saul. If now you just wave, no come there, no come there. Ah, and you can remind Saul saying, but come close now. I have seen in a vision, that's what God told him. I have seen in a vision that you are going to lay hands on me. That I might receive my say, which I don't go lay hands, I better cloth. I go throw cloth. Stay where you do. Yeah. So yeah, just lift, lift your hand, say, Jesus, Jesus, I receive you, I receive you, as Lord, as Lord. I say, I say, I say, ah, write my name now, write my name in the book of life, in the book of life. Open my eyes, open my eyes, say, receive yourself. You don't see, you don't see me so. I see, I see, for him to have gone straight and laid hands on him. You know what it means? You see, he not only believed that their eyes will open, he also believed the man has changed. So whatever made him scared of that man, it was no longer there. Not because he has seen any evidence. Just because God said it. That couldn't have been the first time God talked to him like that. That's why God could trust him. I told you, God loves us the same. He doesn't trust us the same. He doesn't. But the reason why this man could do this was because his mind was renewed. And a renewed mind. But this is Apostle Peter. Bible historians say this is 10 years after Pentecost. Peter still doesn't believe the gospel is for all. He thinks it's still only for Jews. That was his problem. So when God has finished speaking, he, while he doubted in his heart, so he's thinking in his mind, what's all this? Because even when he got to the house of Cornelius, that's how you know this. Unlike, unlike Ananias, God had to bypass Peter. Sir. So that by Acts 10 44, he said, While Peter yet spake, he only goes for because the way Peter is perambulating in that preaching, it doesn't look like he's really convinced they should be saved. So God said, Before you spoil this work, I go fall on them. In case you don't know, that Greek word fell on them is from a Greek word epipipto. He kissed them. The only ghost grabbed them. He said, I, I can't leave it to this guy. Since he has already said the word, let me do the rest. You know, was, we cannot trust Peter's mind. Because later, Apostle Paul will still come and challenge Peter. Because Peter is still doubting. Years after, Peter is still doubting. When he saw those who came from Jerusalem, he redrew from the Gentiles. When Paul says, Paul said, what's all this? This is the same Paul that God saved on this, about the same time when Peter was sent to the house of Cornelius. So it doesn't matter how long you've been saved, sir. Is your mind being renewed? Is your mind being renewed? Somebody's mind, and that's, 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 that's what gave Paul momentum ahead of the rest of those he met in Christ. God works with flexible people, sir. How quickly can you change when God says change? Can God easily change your opinion? 
or you are so stubborn that God will still be talking and you still be arguing with him. Or you'll be like Ananias and he says, go your way and you have gone. And he got there, he put his hands on him immediately. No stories. Can you, can you imagine? Ananias didn't get there to start asking Paul stories. Uh, have you really accepted him as your own? Do you believe? Uh, are you sure? Uh, will you go back to your old life? Do you promise us? Now, promise us. Assure us that you will not arrest us again. In fact, where is the letter that you have received to come and be taking people? He didn't ask him nothing. They ask him, tell us about your old life. Which old life? If any man be in Christ, is a new creature. All things are passed away. Doesn't matter what you think about it. God says it's gone. He said, behold, all things have become new. And that's why he said, the behold is for the all things that have become new. He didn't say, behold, all things are passed away. No, he said, all things are passed away. After that, he now said, behold. In other words, he wants us to be looking at the new things. You must get your mind to change quickly when God says so. Don't be sluggish in changing your mind at the instance of God's word. The moment you hear God say something has changed, flow with him straight. You gotta be like Ananias. The Lord said, well, Go your way, the Bible says, and he went his way. He went his way and entered into the house. And putting his hands on him, said, I notice what he said, brother. Saul is not a stranger anymore. See, there are some things God won't have to tell you. The moment God says, this is the way it is now, align. So he's no longer somebody we heard rumors about. He's a brother. Brother Saul. Brother Saul. I was telling mom earlier today, you know, a dear brother, friend, a pastor. We haven't spoken in almost a year and a half. And, you know, and I reached out to him about two months ago. I sensed in my heart that I should almost two months ago. You know, because I can't, I can't afford to not walk in love. I just felt, let me reach out. It was a struggle because I was like, Lord, do I have to? I'm not angry. I'm not. And the Lord said, no, that's not the way it is. If he has done something you don't really like, you've got to reach out. So I reached out. And he responded to me. And see the way the devil works. He had responded to me, but I didn't know. I really don't use iMessage. So the message he sent to me was long, but it was only just a paragraph I saw. And that paragraph didn't sound. It sounded like it was condescending. So I didn't know what to make of it for one month and a half plus. But to the glory of God, I knew myself that it was an evidence of my growth. I didn't even tell mom. Because I said to myself, if I say it out, there's no way it won't come into offense. So I kept it to myself. Because I was trying to make sense. Of it. I said, Lord, but you told me to reach out. I've done, I mean, this is why I didn't want to reach out. I don't like somebody to now make me look so much stupid. No. And I was just, and today I was talking to somebody. I was going to make reference to it. And the Lord said to me, open the message again and read it. I was on the phone with somebody. And I opened the phone. And I was going to read it. And I saw the arrow. So I clicked the arrow. My God, there were about eight more paragraphs. Long ones. And immediately I diverted that conversation. And I ended the call. And I read the entire thing. And lo and behold, the brother had opened his heart. He had apologized. Hiya. I said, Lord, I'm sorry. Now, I didn't do anything wrong, but in my heart, I said, Lord, I repent in my heart. I picked my phone. I called him. For the first time in almost two years. For two hours, we were on the phone, repenting with each other. <laughs> I said, I'm sorry. I said, Reverend, I'm so sorry. Blah, blah, blah. You know, and everything. When I gave it to mom, she was, she was almost in tears. But notice, instantly, when I saw it, the Lord said to me, you know, that's why I told you, I, I held you back. I held you back. The Lord said to me, he said, repent now. It didn't take me two seconds. Yes, Lord. 
pick the phone. Hello, man of God. That's it. Why should God struggle to get you to do something? Why? Have you forgotten you belong to him? You are not your own now. You hear people say, nobody can change my mind. Beleo. Hawk. So stiff, naked. But look at Ananias. Immediately, anyway, he said, brother saw. Brother saw. Brother saw. When God begins to speak to you, listen. That's what it means for your mind to be what? When God confronts your thinking, when God confronts your position, instantly, instantly, don't be too big to say, I'm sorry. You know, renewal of mind is a mark of humility. That I got that wrong there. But now I know this is the right way, so I'm going to change. That's the way it is. That's the way it is. That's the way it is. Now don't get me wrong, I was not keeping my list with that brother. Don't say that. Just maintain just over day, 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 day your lane, I day my lane. You get what I'm saying? But but I was telling him, I said, you imagine how, how Satan plays the game of number one, creating coincidences and using wrong impressions. And it will take only listening to God and being flexible to escape those traps of the devil. Because you just sit down there, and for years you can go on and on like that. You can imagine for years, I, I might as well not have opened that text. And like mom was saying, and the brother was saying, he, 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 was, he was really wondering why I never said anything after. Because when we read the message, he poured his, oh God, I've never seen somebody pour out his heart so honestly. Poured out his heart like that, but I never read it. Because I didn't know. Then opened it like that, I'm like, wow. You see, that's, let it be easy for God to take something from you. God knew me too that once I see it, that's the end. And I just saw it. But some people, they will see it and they will not start reading meaning to me. Well, it doesn't matter. That's how they say. See, when, you are, when you become like that, something has happened to your tenderness. Your heart is no longer pure. When you second guess things like that, your heart is no longer pure. Let God be able to renew your mind, change your mind. Sometimes it might, not, it might not be in a vision like Peter and Ananias. It might be in the service. You're hearing the teaching of the word. You know, I remember how Adura said the first time he came to this church, he never believed in anything about spiritual fatherhood. He never, ever. and then as I came, he said I was teaching, and that was his first time. And I walked towards where he was, and I was tapping him and talking about, you need a father in your life. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't know him. And I came to watch him, guys. You need a father in your life. The place of a father. They, ah. So they sent this man to me. Yes, they sent me to you. That's exactly the issue. You know, in that instance, God was trying to change his mind. And thankfully for him, he accepted. That's how God comes to every one of us. So the renewing of your mind is where you eventually accept God's position. And you give away that your former position. On any matter. On any matter, sir. On any matter. Oh, and I tell you, when you have a renewed mind, you will easily hear the voice of the Lord. And you will recognize what he's saying to you. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, the Lord just said something to me now. He said, you know, the strength 
of the conviction of a believer is one of the major sources of his confidence when your conviction is strong you'll be very confident you know that thing that we say we know that I just know is what makes us confident it makes us bold and that's why when that thing is not there when that knowing is not there you can't be confident and that's what God is restoring to many of you that knowing that knowing you know, some of you you've been living life in the last couple of weeks and months without that knowing much of the steps you've been taking there's no assurance to it but God is going to restore that knowing to you you know that thing that you just know you know that, that thing some of you it's been a while you, you had that boldness and confidence to say I know I'm in the center of God's will oh that thing is priceless oh boy it is <laughs> it's priceless man I know it I live in it when you just when you are just confident, you, you just you just sit down. That wherever you are, you just say, "Man, I'm in the center of God's will," because that's the safest place. That's the wealthiest place. That's the happiest place. That place where you just know that you know what, man, I'm in the center of God's will for my life. And I'm telling you tonight, man, I know that I know that I know I'm in the center of God's will for my life, man. Glory to God. Don't let the devil rob you of that. Now listen to me. Sometimes you are in the center of God's will, but that knowing is not there. It will not matter that you are in the right place if you don't have a knowing. It won't matter. It won't make much difference. Even if you are in the right place, without that knowing, it won't make much difference. Because the devil can easily shake you off and you might run out of that place. So what anchors our lives is inside here. And it is that knowing, basically. And that's why my prayer for you tonight is that that knowing is restored, is strengthened again. Whatever has come to shake it off you, we rebuke some things. There's some of you are in courtships and the knowing you once had, you don't seem to have it again. And yet, the courtship is right. You know that thing that you, you are in the will of God, but the devil just suddenly distracts you and you no longer have that knowing. Because without that knowing, like I told you, you will not be confident. So you can be in the right place. But if that knowing is no longer there, or it is not as strong as it should be, you realize that you are not bold even in the right place and then you can't make any sense of you can't take advantage of being led into the right place so that knowing is key that knowing is key you see that knowing is the great peace <laughs> peace of god is not a feeling it's a knowing <laughs> it's a knowing you know that thing that you just know in your heart that glory to god and that's the reason why even when everything there's turmoil around you just feel calm inside you because you know so the ship was tearing apart but Paul was not disturbed why was he not disturbed there was a knowing the angel of the Lord whom I serve and whose I am Paul said he said he, he stood by me and he said to me there shall be no loss so even though we are still on the sea and the situation has not changed for the better but I know something inside me ah yeah yeah your Noah is inside you <laughs> I have a knower. That's how I always have a knowing. By my knower, I know things. Yay! John wrote about it. They called it this unction. This anointing is the knower. He knows for me. So I know that I know that I know that everything is going to be fine. So the reason why you are anxious is because you don't know. 
And that's why it says, be anxious for nothing, but with, for everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. Then what will happen? And the peace of God, what will he do? It will garrison your heart. What is that peace of God? A knowing is going to come from the place of prayer. And that's why you see, the God shall we hit in prayer is knowledge. We pray to the point where a knowing dawns on us that this matter you see, if you flow in the anointing, when you are praying over a matter, you will know when the anointing has taken hold of something. And when you have not laid hold of something, you will know that, man, I have not laid hold. My, there is no grip here. But once there is a grip, and usually that grip comes without knowing that, this one is under our control now. And until you get that grip, don't stop praying over a matter. Don't stop praying. And I want to say to all of you tonight, anyone who is in that situation where you feel like your knowing is not as strong on the important areas of your life, go and pray for the next three days. Just spend one hour every day. Just pray white. Just go for that matter. Just pace the floor. And he just says, Lord, Lord, concerning, you mentioned that matter. I'm turning my vocal cords to you now to pray in the spirit. And you will help me pray. You know, because he says the spirit helpeth our infirmity. That what helpeth them means it takes hold together with us. It means if you don't take hold, he won't join you. I've told you when if you listen to the teaching series on prayer, effective prayer 2019, prevailing prayer 2019, I told you. The Holy Ghost cannot pray for me without me. He cannot. If I don't start it, he can't join in. Is that what help them is? He joins in. I, you get what I'm saying now? Although the truth is that he's the one who initiates the burden to pray. So it's like he's inviting me in to do my part so that he can do his own part. So if I don't respond to him, he can't help me. So he instigates it. But I need to respond. It is not good for you not to have a grip over important things in your life. You must have it under wraps. Oh, you must have it. Now I was praying, you know, for my kids as I was bathing them this morning. I was bathing them, getting them ready for school. Mom was downstairs making their breakfast and that's how we do. That's our daily routine. As I was bathing them, and that's my practice, I'm bathing them and praying in the spirit. I know the Lord said to me as I was, you know, getting them ready, bathing them and all that. And the Lord said, he said, you know, every time you are doing this thing, you are getting a grip of things. He said, this is how, if anything is in front of them, I can show you. And the Lord said to me, as you are using the towel to dry his head and drive everything, if there's anything I need to tell you, I will tell you as you're doing it. And the Lord said to me, he said, all I need to tell you this morning is, they are blessed. <laughs> he said, but make a practice of who are parents, do it. You're getting your children ready, don't just be, you know, be praying. You carry the spot. Carry the water pot. And you're praying the Holy Ghost. I think that you just, you know, you just say some things over them. Sometimes I'm beating them like that. I'm playing the message. But I remember yesterday morning I was beating them, hearing my spiritual father, and he was saying, you know, the blessing. And he was saying to the congregation, say, I, I, I take part, I partake of it. So as he was saying, the blessing, I said, I partake. I had the two of you here. I said, I partake. The three of us were saying it together. Say, glory, I partake of it. Say, you must say it. Because when they, an ego is trying to feed his children, it is what it is chewing that you put in their mouth. So when you are confessing God's word, put some in your children's mouth. Let them say it along with you. As you are doing that, what are you doing? You are getting a grip of it. Anything that is important in your life must be within your grip, sir. How can you be going to work every day and there is an uncertainty about safety? Get a grip of your safety. Because that thing that is not sure again in your heart, that's danger. That's danger there. That thing that is making you unsure of your safety every day you are going out, you got to sort that thing out. Sort it out. As you're praying, the Holy Ghost, pray until you get a grip of your knowing again that I know 
Am I going out? I'm blessed. Am I coming in? I'm blessed. No evil shall befall me. No plague will come near my dwelling place. A thousand may fall by my side, ten thousand by my right hand. That means even there are eleven thousand people. That's the matter. It will still not move me. Imagine when they say eleven thousand people very close. Something bad happened to them. And God is saying to you, don't shake. In, in case you don't understand what it means, he's telling you eleven thousand people you know. 11,000 people that you are familiar with. He said, something happened to 11,000 close people. It should never shake you. Because what Satan does most times is that when things happen to people we know, he wants to use it to bring fear to our life. But the word of God says, a thousand may fall by your side and 10,000 by your right hand. He said, it shall not come near you. He said, to say to you, no matter how close it is, it is not, it's not coming to you. He said, hey, he happened to my cousin. No matter how close they are, it can't get to you. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. He can't get to you. So we understand my voice tonight. You are going through a hard time. I have a word for you from Psalm 32 verse 7. He said, in the trial of great waters, it shall not come near him. And Prophet says, it will not reach the spirit in him. It will not reach the spirit in him. Amplify classic. It will not reach the spirit in him. It will not reach the... In other words, it's not going to break you. Just keep walking. Keep moving. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou has with me. And even in the midst of it, he said, Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So why should you stop walking? Don't stop. Keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving. They have fired many people in your place of work. Don't shake. Get dressed every morning. Go excited. Don't be thinking, what do you do me? Don't go expecting to be fired. Go there with the confidence, with the knowing. That's why you must get it. Get the knowing back. The Lord is my portion. He maintains my lot. He maintains my lot. My lot is maintained. My lot is maintained. This message was brought to you from the Heritage of Faith Church. Our vision is raising stronger believers. For more impactful resources, visit our website at www.hofng.org. God bless you.